When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to CHGO White Sox post-game podcast. My name is Herb Lawrence. Usually I'm sitting in the middle seat, but today we only have two seats. You see myself and Jared Willis here. Sean is off seeing the boss right now. Jared Willis writes for us here at CHGO uh, for both Cubs and Sox. And later in the show, we'll have CHGO's beat reporter, Vinny Duber, Covering the White Sox live from Guaranteed Rate Field. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Jarrett Willis at J Willis, Y's instead of I's. Myself, Ecknerwall23 on the Twitter machines. Before I get started, I'm going to remind you guys that next week we do a takeover at Wrigley. It was so embarrassing to lose that game at Wrigley Field when we did the White Sox takeover. We got to pay them back. Cody, you can see his pictures. Cody Del Mendo, who is right now in Studio B for uh, CHGO Cubs, his victory tweet is him cheering right in front of my face. Happy as hell about the Cubs beating the White Sox. So we got to pay him back. So if you want to join us, pregame, we're going to have some drinks at a local bar at, around the Wrigleyville area. Then we're going to go into the game. I think the seats are in 425. Go to com right now and get your tickets for next, was that Wednesday, Stephen? August 16th, yeah, 705, next, next Wednesday, when yeah. the White Sox travel to uh, Wrigley Field and face the Cubs. And hopefully they have already won the Tuesday game, so the Wednesday game can be for the BP Cup, which we all care about. But you didn't come for that. You came for the White Sox 9-2 victory over the Yankees. They take two out of three against the Bronx Bombers and do another thing to a, ta- a team that is looking to go to the playoffs. They did this to the Cleveland Guardians over the weekend. This week, they played spoiler to the New York Yankees. And on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they have another chance to spoil the Milwaukee Brewers' chances to advance in the playoffs and stay on top of the ANL Central. But, Jarrett, what do you think of the game? We're not going to talk about this too long, guys, because... It doesn't effing matter, Pedro Grafal. What do you think about the game? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of sad because in a way it's the kind of win that you feel like you've been looking for from this team. And not just the kind of win, but the kind of series you've been looking for from, the, from them for a long time now. You go up against a good team, a playoff team, a, you know, and the Yankees even this year that's that's got something to play for and you still take two out of three. You, you beat them pretty easily today. Mm-hmm. Um you know, a pretty solid victory all around. That's yeah. In a way, it's like yeah. This in in isolation, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and on one hand, it's a little frustrating because you, where has this kind of thing been for so long now? Pedro. Yeah. And uh, but on the other hand, if you want to project forward, and you know, given and I know we're going to get into this, mm-hmm. but. Everything that's gone on with this team in just the last few days, really, um, and you start to think about okay, what what happens next for the White Sox? Well, what you want, what you hope for is that they can get the right pieces in place and get things figured out so that you what we saw tonight can become more of a regular thing. And you're a person that's been in that White Sox clubhouse this year and seen what's going on. Did you, I mean, you're a reporter, so I'm not sure you're looking for vibes or things like that. Was there anything untoward any times that you've been there? Or what's the clubhouse like when you've been covering the White Sox for us at CSGO? I mean, I'll say that I've never, I've never been in there and gotten the obvious feeling that something was off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been in other teams' clubhouses, and so I have, you know, I have something to compare it to. Mm-hmm. But there was never like a glaringly obvious like something is is wrong here. Okay. Um, I will say this though. Especially last year, I wondered all season long how is it that a team that has this much talent just cannot seem to find, you know, a, a stretch of wins? They can't get above that 500 mark. A division that was like right there laid out for them they just they couldn't take it um 
And so that was one of the first indicators I think that I got that like, okay, there must be something going on mm-hmm. that a team that's on paper, at least that's this good. And yeah, they were dealing with, you know, there's injuries to players and some of those kinds of things that, that go on. But that was one of the indicators that like, okay, there's, there's something that's gone wrong here. Um, we talked about it during the game, but you know, I'd had somebody tell me a couple of years ago that there was an issue with some of the younger players not listening to veteran players or not, not following their lead or following their example. Um, so there were little things along the way like mm-hmm. that. But at least like being in that clubhouse, I couldn't say to you, oh, this, it was really obvious that something was wrong. Um, a lot of stuff that I think now in hindsight, I could probably say, oh, yeah, well, there was this or there was that. But in the moment, did that stand out to me? A couple of little things, maybe, but nothing, nothing major. And we, well, Victor Valdum asked about uh, Robert. Uh, he hurt his pinky, uh, sprained his pinky yeah. on his right hand. That's right slide pinky. into yeah. third base there uh, at the, what, the third or fourth inning. He left the game after that. We'll have Vinny Duber on in about 20 minutes to give us a lowdown on Firstly, the pregame stuff from Pedro Grafal, the title of this very episode, what he said. We'll give you the proper context. We'll, you can hear it straight from the mouth of the person that said it, Pedro Grafal. I know there's a big kerfuffle on Twitter about him saying things like him not prioritizing development over major league wins, which in itself sounds ridiculous, but I want to see and hear the exact clip. It's about four minutes long, and then we'll get into the actual game with Vinny when he comes on. But right now, I want to know from you guys who are listening and watching, and Jarrett, how do we fix this White Sox team? Because Rick Hahn says in 2024, they're looking to compete again. So usually with a team this bad, you would have a lot of things and a lot of places to go where you got to get this player, this player, this player, and you have a lot of availability to get them. But the White Sox, as Vinny has pointed out many times, they have contracts signed for long-term deals for most of these guys. So let's look at the current White Sox and what they project to do in 2024 for the position players. They don't have a catcher for next year. Corey Lee's still in the minor leagues. You can't go into next year either with Carlos Perez or Sebi Zavala because they can't hit baseballs. That's not good. And Yasmani Grandal is going to be a free agent. Andrew Vaughn's going to most definitely be the first baseman next year if nothing changes on trade-wise. Second base is still open open because Elvis Andres is not going to be here next year. And you question why he's still getting time. We'll have Pedro with the answer later on the show. Yo Moncada's making $24 million next year. He'll 100% be here. If there's any player on this list you'll know will be here, Yo Moncada will be a White Sox in 2024. Tim Anderson will return at shortstop. It, more, he has a team option. They're going to pick it up. It's $14 million. I think they're going to pick it up. I don't think there's a chance they will not pick it up. Left fielder Andrew Benintendi. It, and let me say that. They'll pick it up 100%. Now, they, I don't know if they might trade him, but that option will be picked up. So I'm just going to put him as the shortstop for next year. Andrew Benintendi will be in year two of his five-year deal. He'll be in left. Center fielder will be Luis Robert Jr. Right fielder Oscar Colas hit a home run today. And the DH will be Aloy Jimenez. So we got two spots. Right. For the White Sox to pick up players. Let's start with catcher first. Where are they going to get a major league catcher out of this list? And if you're listening on the podcast tomorrow, thank you very much for listening. Yasmani Grandal is going to be a free agent. He can be picked by the White Sox. Jan Gomes has a option. Is it a, it's a player option? Club option. A club option. So the Cubs have an option to pick him up. Or not. Gary Sanchez is out in San Diego having a good year. Austin Hedges, more gloved than bat. Martin Maldonado, the same thing. Mitch Garvers in Texas. Tucker Barnhart, Victor Carantini, Roberto Perez, and Tom Murphy. Any of those catchers strike your fancy as a person that the White Sox can use as a bridge piece to either Corey Lee or to Edgar Caro, who are years, well, Edgar Caro is probably years away, and Corey right. Lee will probably be here at the end of the year. Well, I think so... To, to take this question of, you know, how do you, how do you fix what's going on with the White Sox? Because you're kind of you, – there's two different fronts that you have to tackle yes. here. You know, number one, I think, is you do have to take seriously whether – there's clearly something happening in that clubhouse mm-hmm. that Keenan Middleton felt like he, he needed to say something, even though he's not even on the team anymore. And, you know, we talked about it during the game, but 
as a journeyman player, he has a lot to lose by speaking out about what's going on inside of a locker room. And so for him to say that and then for Lance Lynn to back it up, mm-hmm. that tells you that, you know, your first issue is if we've got a, a, a clubhouse culture problem, we have to address that. Now, and I know and I've seen, you know, in some of the comments, like, yes, maybe the best solution is from the top down, but realistically, is that what's going to happen? Yeah. We're, I, we're operating with Rick right. Hahn and Kenny Williams are coming back. Right. Trust me, they deserve to be fired last year. They 100% deserve to, be, to walk out the door this year, but we know that's not going to happen, so we're going to deal in reality. And I know right. in the next graphic I put Shohei Atani in it, <laughs> we're going to deal in reality too. I'll just so, put it there because I, you know, they should go after him. So, yeah, so, so working from that assumption, then I think the smart approach is, is to target players who can help at least one of the things that they're going to offer is to help you address that clubhouse culture problem. Um, and so I like the idea of, as I look at that list at catcher, just having had the benefit of, of covering both teams in Chicago, I've seen a lot of Jan Gomes and I've seen a lot of what Jan Gomes does for a pitching staff. Um, what he is as a veteran player and what he does for a clubhouse. And to be honest, what he's still capable of bringing at the plate. Um, Tucker Barnhart's a great veteran catcher too and is great for pitching staff, but he just doesn't hit nearly as well. So, um, depending, and I can see a situation where given the clubs or given what the Cubs have, they've got Miguel Amaya, mm-hmm. who presumably they see as their catcher of the future. Do they exercise the club option on Jan Gomes? Maybe not. So, if he becomes available, the first guy on, on that list that I have my, you know, that I'm targeting if I'm the White Sox is is probably Jan Gomes. Same thing with me. I would, just for the reason that you said, everybody who has ever met Jan Gomes and players talk about him like it is, like he is the, the guy. And he used to be a guy that hit a bunch of home runs and hit with the bat with when he was the Cleveland Indians back in the day. But yeah, he knows the division. He would, I think, help this pitching staff immensely with his veteran know-how. I think he's going to be 36, or he is 36 right now. It's yeah. a little long in the tooth, but also that's exactly what you need as a bridge guy to let Corey Lee, if he's going to be the guy who's the backup next year, or let uh, Edgar Caro have a couple years down in the minors without having to rush him up, and you're getting good representative catching behind the plate, not like you're getting from Sebi Zavala, who's the pitchers love him, but no one he can't hit. He's only versus the Yankees, and he's out this series, so he's uh, missed his chance to get his home runs. And you just brought up the point about Keenan Middleton, and you clipped in the um, in the slack. The apparently, I didn't see it. I wasn't at the game, but there is a film of right there, Stephen. There's a film of Keenan Middleton pitching. The guy pans to. Down to Keenan Middleton, see him pitching. Pants to the center field scoreboard. In the center field scoreboard, you usually have the defensive alignment. Where the pitcher is supposed to be uh, listed, Keenan Middleton's not listed. And then on the ribbon boards on the side, he's not listed. Petty. If this is true, this is petty by the White Sox, what they did. To do that to Keenan Middleton, who, of course, broke bad on the White Sox after he got traded to the Yankees and said the clubhouse culture was bad. And he named, you know, a couple of the people and didn't name names, but he pretty much said that this clubhouse is bad and people are sleeping. And you saw the White Sox when they got hits off of them, did a little was, like yeah. mouthing type of a hand gesture towards their own dugout. I thought that was part of, you know, hey, you don't talk about the clubhouse culture and the White Sox kind of getting back of them. If the White Sox really did that, not putting his name on the on the ribbon boards and in the center field f- scoreboard, unprofessional, very unprofessional, petty. But I wouldn't put it past them because that's what they are. And and I think another way of looking at that, because I agree with all of that, is let's let's pretend in a in the future that your clubhouse culture does get fixed. Where you know you have to ask yourself the question: Where did your wake up call come from? Who did it start with? Like it or not, and I, under, I, I understand completely from a player's perspective the, the notion of, hey, the clubhouse is this, you know, we, we, don't, we don't share everything that happens in here because there's going to be, you spend that much time with a group of guys and stuff's going to happen and not everything needs to be publicly known. Exactly. 
but if there is a there is an issue then and you have somebody that calls it out who has a lot again a lot to lose by calling it out and that is sort of the catalyst for them addressing this issue there may come a day when you look back and say hey this all started with keenan middleton saying you know speaking up and saying something so i i a if they truly decided not to put if that was a conscious decision not to put his name on the scoreboard that's i mean that's ridiculous um but b if that quickly you have the white Sox players when they get hits off of him doing this and it's galvanized them to kind of rally around something maybe that's a positive first step and that's which that's where it starts from so you know there's there's a lot potentially going on there but i i say before we villainize keenan middleton just keep in mind the possibility that he has sort of pushed the first domino for what might be something that changes your culture i certainly hope so you have something to say Steve? yeah i was gonna say i kind of like that keenan middleton said what he said because it opens up uh, a door that we never really see it's inside the the white Sox locker room where things are apparently going on that we didn't know about and things need to be fixed making those public that increases the likelihood of actually seeing some change and feeling a little embarrassment. Like, I hope they feel embarrassed by what Keenan Middleton did because it was national news that the White Sox have a bad clubhouse on top of all the stuff. And as somebody pointed out, they didn't learn from the Baltimore thing where they suspended their uh, announcer and then the, all the fans are pretty much behind, everybody nationally is behind the announcer. And then also with Northwestern today, they're wearing their shirts, shirts. Yeah. after all the stuff that happened with the hazing and the – uh, sexual uh, harassment stuff. They're wearing shirts that supports fits. Like you already lost, guys. Stop losing. That's what I'm saying about the White Sox. Like, <laughs> forget about it. Like, Keenan had something that you disagree with. Smooth. Right. But as Jared says, this is good for the team. And if it galvanizes them against Keenan Middleton specifically and that team, cool. Play like that for the rest of the year. Have that chip on your shoulder in the off season. But and carry that into next year. It, yeah. It's because it is. It's kind of like the Simpsons joke, you know, dig up, stupid. Like, don't <laughs> <laughs> you're going the wrong direction. Like, enough with this. You know, use that as a a a spark to head you in in the right direction. Exactly. That's, and so, let's go to second base because it's not good either. The White Sox have Zach Rimillard and. And uh, Elvis Andres, Zach Rimillard's a 29-year-old journeyman, not journeyman, he's only played for the White Sox, but he's been in the minor leagues the whole time after he went to college. And Elvis Andres, who won't be here. So I'm saying that position's open, and I hope they actually go and try to get one of these players, even though these names are not that great. Adam Frazier's the most appealing one to me. He's got 14 home runs out in Baltimore. He's a free agent. We've seen Josh Harrison here. Brad Miller's kind of old. Whit Merrifield's got a mutual option of $18 million with the Toronto Blue Jays. Tony Kemp. Ahmed Rosario's more of a shortstop. Same thing with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Adalberto Mondesi, who's... Got traded from Kansas City to Boston. Not really that great. Elvis Andres and then Kike Hernandez. Out of those people, I would say Adam Frazier or maybe Whit Merrifield would be my people because I think they're both quality veterans. And speaking for Merrifield, he has experience with Pedro Guffal. We've seen them try to get Salvi Perez. He wants somebody to be a lieutenant for his battle standard because apparently he doesn't have the respect needed for the players in the White Sox clubhouse for them to listen. And so he needs a Royal, not Andrew Benintendi, another Royal to continue his battle <laughs> yeah. standard and say, hey, Pedro's smart. We won us a World Series back in the Kansas City Royals. He, I don't think Witt was there then. But, you know, him can he can uh, further what Pedro says and the players maybe listen to Witt, who has been in the league for a long time, and they respect him as a former Royal that used to beat the White Sox on a daily basis, any of those names that you know tickle your fancy. That's and that, yeah, this is a tough one because it's not exact. This isn't like a deep field of players here, but I kind of land on the same two guys. You're yeah, you're looking at it's either Adam Frazier or, or Whit Merrifield. Um, I gotta say, I between the two, I think I'd go Frazier just because I feel like if Pedro Grafol's in a position where he needs to be recruiting former <laughs> Royals to help him run that clubhouse. That's not a good – that's a problem. 
It's already um, a problem. That's, that's not what you want. So I think, I'd, you know, go, go Frazier in that case because if, if that's really the approach that they're going to take where it's like we need some players to help us with this in, in that way in that they have to be former Royals, I don't, yeah, I don't love that. <laughs> don't love that. Um, and, and Adalberto Mondesi fits that too. Yeah, yeah, you've got another former Royal there. But I, because on one hand, yes, I do think that there is some value to bringing in um, quality veterans who are good clubhouse guys who are going to help change that culture, but not in the sense that you want to, oh, well, he he was somebody who played under Griffol before in Kansas City, and so he's going to kind of help convey the message from Pedro to the rest of the clubhouse. I don't like that. I don't like that message that sends to the rest of the team. Um, it's kind of like, hey, we got to be the Royals. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, the Royals are the only team below them in the standings in the central. <laughs> right. So you're, that, you're aiming the wrong direction at that point. So um, I think I would, I would put an emphasis on just finding like a, a quality, quality veteran player who's going to help change your clubhouse and don't worry about whether or not he's coming to you from Kansas City. I kind of wonder, too, do you think there's any scenario where Tim Anderson would play second next season? Not for the White Sox. Not for the White Sox? No, not for the White Sox. We've seen no. it a little bit this year. I just, yeah. just curious. Not yeah. for the White Sox. I think if he's on the White Sox, he's in shortstop unless they pick up some ass-kickingly great shortstop where Tim's like, cool, yeah, you're getting me a top-name shortstop, which – that was last year where all the shortstops were available and Dansby Swanson's and the Carlos Correa's of the world, but there's none available this year, I don't believe, as I looked at the list, at least none that the White Sox will be in the market for. And that's those lists were pretty much real. Those lists were complete, but also realistic because the White Sox right. will not be fishing at the top of the market. We've got to take a break. After this break, we will hear from Pedro Grafal, our own Vinny Duber, who is at Guaranteed Rate, had spoke to Pedro Grafal with the Assembled Media, and we'll give context to the, to the quotes that you saw on Twitter today and make sure that you hear exactly what it comes out of his mouth and the, and the time and the, the tone and tenor that it came out, and we'll have Vinny on to talk about what he saw. But Sunnyside is your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kinds of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality products. Sunnyside has everything you need to elevate your summer, one-stop shop for all your cannabis needs, no matter where you are in your cannabis journey. Easy online ordering and in-store pickup. Great transparent, transparent loyalty program, Sunnyside Rewards, and it's Illinois' favorite dispensary from city to suburbs. Wrigleyville to River, River North, Champaign to South Beloit. Sunnyside, Sunnyside's house brands is Mendy's or Good News or Cresco, Floracal. They're all good. Good News is my favorite. They have these things called Frye. They're sativa-based, which... Get you up, get you a nice body high. Go and check them out if you're a fan of those type of uh, products. Through August, which is now, head to sunnysides.shop and use code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off of your total order, one use per customer. That's not only for new customers. Anyone can use that code. Pick up everything you need and elevate your summer. Must be 21 plus or an Illinois MedCard holder. Now, Let's talk about the folks at Lewis University. Students are just like you, full-time jobs, families, full-time sports fandoms. Go back to school and earn your respected degree at Lewis University, 35 miles southwest of Chicago in Romeoville, and it's ranked as U.S. News and World Report's top-tier colleges. Lewis partners with numerous employers for tuition discounts, offers evening online blended formats to help you balance work, family, and education. Faculty bring real-world experience and instruction to the classroom, which is immediately relevant to your career. Looking to complete your bachelor's or master's degree enrolled in a professional certificate program, Lewis has the right program for you. Lewis offers several career-focused programs that will help you set you up for success. We're just, well, we're just going to highlight one here. The Lewis program that we highlight today is the Criminal Justice Public Safety Program. First responders re receive 20% off a tuition, 20% uh, off tuition discount, and tuition is deferred for six weeks after each class. Discover how a degree from Lewis University can help you build a better world. Learn more at lewisu.edu slash you can do this. That is Lewis, L-E-W-I-S-U dot E-D-U slash U-Y-O-U can do this. 
Now with that said, let's go to the video from Pedro Grafal to give you proper context. This is in the pregame from the White Sox with the symbol media, including our own Vinny Duber. What he said, and this is about four minutes, so you can get exactly what he said about playing veterans over young players, wins over development type of stuff, so you know exactly what he said. Here you go. Pedro, you've talked about uh, Colas and a lot of the stuff that you've wanted to see from him. Is there a need or a desire to play him on a daily basis because of all of the stuff that you guys want to see him develop? Correct. So he hasn't played the last couple of days. His legs were a little, or one of his legs was a little sore. He also had a little cut right here in his, on his finger. Um, so I gave him a couple of days just to make sure to be able to do that, what you just talked about. You know, I don't want to take what just could be a couple of days and turn it into, you know, two weeks just because I want to play him every day. So you know what, take a couple of days, get completely healthy, and then run him back out there, you know, against whoever. Is second base a place where you could do that maybe with, with Elvis versus some of the young guys that you've got in there? Are you, you maybe looking to see some more youth in I, that position? Um, I'll, you know, Elvis will, Elvis will play his share. Remillard will play his share. Um, you know, and then you know, we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. But uh, Elvis is playing good baseball right now. Um, you know, him and Remillard will, will, will split some time there. And when Timmy gets a day off, you know, Elvis will go short. Um, you know, maybe Mukata when he gets a day, I'll move Remillard over there to third base. But... You know, we'll, we'll, we'll match it up, um, but yeah, I, I get your point, and, and you are correct. Yeah. What's your learning process with all these young players who have and how you mix and match and decide what you're going to do? I think the most important thing is, uh, and the best thing is that they're here now. You know, spring training is extremely deceiving. The lineups are deceiving. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of guys make, make the opening day roster that are down and 15 days, and I've seen guys make an opening-day roster that, you know, stay there for a long, long time. I've seen guys not make an opening-day roster, and 10 days later they're here, and, you know, and they didn't have a good spring, that, and they're here in the good big leaguers. So I think the most important thing is just having these guys right now. For example, last night, you know, Cronin had to go through, you know, two, three, four. Well, that's really important for, for his development. You know, he looks like he can be a part of this thing moving forward. So we just got to... You know, you can't just completely disregard the fact that he is a rookie and he just got here and, you know, throw him to the wolves. But, you know, you got to challenge him at some point and you got to put him in some stress and clean up this inning and give us a couple innings one day and give us an out or two the next and that, you know, that kind of stuff. So um, there's a development process to all this stuff. But again, I, I repeat this till the season's over. We're never going to compromise it major league win, you know, for, for development, but I'm glad that they're here getting this, this type of uh, time under their belt and, you know, just putting some of this experience in their library. Andrew, I know you're focused on what you have here and winning on a daily basis, but you have a guy like, a couple of guys like Corey Lee, who's working in Charlotte, Lenin Sosa, who had puts up great numbers in Charlotte, hasn't done, hasn't transferred here quite yet. Do they come up in conversations over the court, you know, over the last six weeks to maybe get a look at a little more extended look at those guys and see again see what yeah. you have moving into 24. yeah they are they are in conversations and we all are in conversations uh corey lee uh came over to us and he had he was on the dl uh, he hadn't played that much as of a couple of days he only had, a couple of days ago he only had like seven bats um got a couple of hits last night uh which is good to see um you know in in time when he's ready um you know talk about you know possible possibilities but um, you know until then I'm focused on these guys here now and you know our minor leagues are focused on those guys down there but yeah they we, we are in discussions about that but it's uh, you know today is not the right time that was White Sox manager Pedro Grafal in the pregame and the person that provided us that video is CHGO's White Sox beat reporter Vinny Duber who joins us live from Guaranteed Rate Field you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Vinny, a lot of people up in arms with the tweet that you sent out this afternoon. The proper context there was uh, a little bit more helpful, but I think a couple more people are still kind of miffed at his uh, words there, especially about Elvis Andres. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, this is uh, everybody's uh, favorite topic, uh, uh, lineup construction and, and who's playing uh, over who uh, coming into uh, uh, conflict here with what the White Sox uh, kind of overarching plan should be here. There's a lot going on in all of those answers from Pedro. You're getting individual guys being assessed. You're getting, uh, you know, grand statements about what the team is, is going for over the next couple of months here being mentioned. Uh, you know, there's strategy about calling up minor leaguers. Then there's your regular old coach speak about trying to win every single game and playing as hard as you can kind of thing, putting the best team on the field. So listen, there's a lot going on there. I don't know if you want to uh, unravel it entirely, but I think the the main takeaway is there's some contradictions in there, certainly. And, um, you know, if you're going to say, hey, we've got to win every single game, we can't be worried about development right now, while also saying it's important over these next two months to get these young guys the, the time and developed, those are contrasting statements. And, uh, you know, if, if you, you, you have to be able to explain why you're doing one thing and why you're doing another. And maybe, you know, if we sat there with Pedro for, you know, 45 minutes, he, he would, you know what I mean? And he would go guy by guy and tell you that, but it does seem right now it's, it's very much, um, you know, case by case. I, I, somebody, somebody replied to me on Twitter saying like, is this a, a, a main objective or is it a case by case basis? And I think the way that those questions were answered, you're probably looking at the latter as being more, more right. I mean, you know, he's talking about Declan Cronin going out there and the opportunity that he's getting and how it's so important for him to get this major league experience here because he could be a part of what they're going to have going into next season. He's talking constantly about Oscar Colas about what they're doing to teach and develop Oscar Colas here at the big league level and turn him in to the right fielder that he needs to be for this team because they need him. They were hoping that he could be that guy uh, at the beginning of the season. He very much wasn't. They need him to be that guy by the beginning of next season. So there's a lot of, you know, this team's uh, future success riding on the development that can happen at the major league level this year. At the same time, you know, he's basically writing off at least in the right now, the idea of people coming up from the minor leagues and taking the jobs of the guys who have uh, been playing the entire season, uh, you know, and, and, and I get, you know, the, what the, what the uh, stat line says for some of these guys, Elvis, Yasmani, I understand, um, you know, and, and listen, we've talked to her before about how, and, and Pedro laid it out there when Corey Lee is, you know, fully back from that injury that he had, maybe he is going to be up here right away. And maybe there would be some roster change to accompany that. Um, but when it comes to Lenin Sosa, we haven't heard really anything or, or, or any speculation that would be Elvis Andrus related. So um, right now, Elvis is playing. Pedro said he's playing good baseball and he's going to, he's going to keep him in the, he wants to keep him in the lineup. Uh, and at the same time, you got to remember Elvis is brought in basically because be it last year and this year because of what he can provide behind the clubhouse doors also. And so, you know, you, we've been spending literal hours over the last few days talking about how the White Sox are trying to steer this clubhouse culture going forward. Maybe Elvis is a part of that in a, in a small way, you know what I mean? And, and you don't just get rid of somebody who has made a positive contribution. That's me speculating a little bit more there in terms of, you know, why he is playing as much as he is, but you know, at the same time, you heard from Pedro, and there's no doubt that those statements have been contrasting, um, but you should kind of dive into each of them and, and, and see what he's saying about each of those guys, even when the general concepts maybe don't, don't make the most sense. And I saw today, after Keenan Milton gave up a hit to, I think it was Elvis Andres, and yeah, they scored was. a run, them doing this, uh, like, hand motion kind of, like, talking thing it was off of Keenan Middleton and then also there was a video circulating that showed that Keenan Middleton pitching and there was no name on the center field scoreboard or the ribbon boards was there any talk or did you catch that yourself that the White Sox are kind of galvanizing around them you know kind of not liking Keenan Middleton because he broke protocol I don't know if I'd go that far. The only person who was asked about it post game, just because probably he was the first one out of the clubhouse, was Mike Clevenger, um, and he had not seen any of that. He didn't know, any, you know, any of the stuff that was being talked about like that. And he said they're not worried about it, and that he still, and I believe the word he said was loves. He still loves Keenan Middleton. So um, that might there might not be anything to that. I did see what Elvis Andrews did after he got that hit, but they do a lot of stuff directing at the back at their own dugout. So. 
who knows? Uh, and I did notice uh, the, the absence of Keenan Middleton's name from the scoreboard. Uh, it was odd. There, nobody else's name was not on the scoreboard tonight. So um, I remember seeing it and going, that's weird. Uh, but uh, no, no comment on it from anybody uh, uh, that, that, that is employed by the White Sox at the moment. And also we saw Luis Robert leave the game early in this one after he stole third base. Um, any updates to him and what happened in uh, what they have the official uh, report as? So the official report is that he sprained his pinky finger on his right hand. Uh, Luis Robert is no stranger to those kinds of injuries. We saw him uh, suffer one last year, quite notably, uh, you know, on, on the base paths um, that really kind of ruined the remainder of the season for him. Uh, and if you'll remember way back, I believe it was his first full season in the minor leagues in the White Sox organization, uh, he injured his thumb. Uh, sliding into a base, and it really sapped his power for the entirety of that season. The power numbers from that year, everybody was wondering, why isn't this guy who's supposed to hit a lot of home runs hitting any home runs? Well, that was why. He injured his thumb. Uh, so this is nothing new. Um, but he, so he, if you notice, he wears on his left hand that oven mitt uh, to prevent that kind of thing from happening. He doesn't wear it on his right hand, um, and that was the hand that he used to slide into third base tonight. He was doing one of those Javi Baez, you know, uh, matrix kind of slides, and it looked really cool, and he was safe. Uh, I, asked, I asked Pedro after the game, did he do what he was supposed to do? Was there something that he did wrong on that play that led to the injury. And he basically said, no, he, his instincts kicked in and that's what you're, you know, you're supposed to let your, your body take over to avoid the tag. And that's what he did. It just so happened that, uh, that he caught his pinky finger there and, and sprained it. According to Pedro, he, uh, Luis is expected to be back in the lineup Friday. And if not Friday, it'll be Saturday. So the white Sox aren't talking like it's a big deal. Uh, the one thing though, I brought up the oven mitt and uh, Pedro said, he'll be wearing oven mitts on both hands. Now uh, he, he even said, I think uh, I'm, I'm, trying to remember the exact quote, but it was along the lines of uh, enough hand injuries or enough injuries sliding when we've got the technology or we have the resources to prevent it. So um, it seems like the White Sox are uh, sick of that happening too, and they're going to do what they can to uh, make sure it doesn't happen again to Luis. Are they thinking about maybe not having him slide head first? I know, you know, instincts and he's been doing that forever, but his hands are, and we saw last year uh, and he got hurt by uh, Jonathan Scope. Hands, wrists, fingers, those are the most important things for a Major League Baseball player and can drain and sap your power, as you said they did in minor leagues. Is there any talk about, hey, man, you know, maybe, you know, lay off the head first sliding because it's getting you hurt multiple times in your career. Well, I think they're going to go to the, the double oven mitt approach first, and that sounds like something that should be trademarked, the double the double oven mitt approach. But uh, <laughs> I think your, your answer to that question is probably along the lines of one of those where they say, where, you know, and coaches say this about athletes all the time, you don't want to ever take the aggressiveness out of a player. And I think when you've got a guy who's talking about having a 20, 30 steel season, uh, you want him to be able to keep that tool in the toolbox. You don't want to, you don't want to make it so he can't do that anymore because it's helping him be successful and in turn helping you win baseball games. Um, so I don't think there would be any talk of that. You remember, you know, over the course of his career, because he's never stopped really doing it, Larry Garcia always used to slide headfirst into first base. And there was a, a point where he did that and injured himself, and he was out for a pretty long time. Uh, back then, we had the manager, I believe it was Rick Renneria at the time, saying, don't do that anymore. But that's something that's pretty obvious, right? Don't slide headfirst into first base. That's a pretty easy rule to lay down. When it comes to Luis Robert uh, elsewhere on the bases, I think they're going to take the approach of, let's see if we can make it safer for him to do that because he has that skill set and he has the ability to change the game by using it. So um, I don't see them telling him to stop doing that because I think that takes away something that makes him such a great player. Vinny, just to kind of go back a couple of, you know, a couple of questions just to, so we know on, on, on Monday after all the Keenan Middleton stuff came out over, you know, late in the weekend, and then, you know, the Rick Hahn spoke and Grandal spoke on Monday. But in the days since then, you know, whether it was yesterday or today, have you guys had a chance to have any conversations with players about, you know, what their attitudes are moving forward from this? Because this is, you know, however they might feel about what Middleton did, it did put them kind of in the spotlight in a, in a negative way about the, the culture in this clubhouse, whatever it might be like. Have there 
Have there been conversations the last couple of days about that specifically? Oh, well, I think what you're hearing when players get asked that, because they have been asked it, if not, you know, drilled down on like it was with Rick Hahn and Pedro Grifol on Monday, it it is very much what Rick's along the lines of what Rick set up, which was the, the Keenan Middleton comments didn't really, you know, rip open the curtain and say, look what they're doing right there, because the White Sox knew that things weren't working already. And I think that the work that they were doing started well before that article was published. You know, Rick Hahn uh, brought up that work starting at the trade deadline, that it was a priority for the White Sox at the trade deadline to to work on culture building. And that since they had a very productive, according to them, meeting in uh, Cleveland, a team meeting uh, that, that really kind of set the tone going forward that they want to do on that culture front, as well as what they hope to accomplish the rest of the year. So when you talk to the players about that, or when we have talked to the players about that since, be it a question here or there, it's very much like, well, now, now we've got it. You know what I mean? Like the group that we have going forward is the group that we want. And the, excuse me, the group that, uh, you know, we're happy to have with us. I think Aaron Bummer said, you know, of the changes that have happened since the trade deadline, it's like, you know, we've got guys in here who are all happy to go out and fight together kind of thing. So, um, if there was not if we've heard that there was that dysfunction from you know earlier in the season i think that the white Sox started working on that in terms of everything player movement and conversations and 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 just the group that they want to have here and the the things that they're outlining that they want to accomplish again they're not getting terribly specific about these things but um you know i they've they started that work before this came out this just cranked up the glare from that spotlight right and i and i think that now everybody has heard because you know so many people have kind of uh, you know frustrated fans or or whoever tuned out rick Hahn and and what he's been saying because they're you know they know where this team is and they know where it sits in the standings and so some of the finer points that he's made over the last few weeks or months they've been like ah enough of this kind of thing you know now Middleton says what he says, they hear it from a different source. And it's like, all of a sudden, no oh, man, look at this, look at how, how terrible everything's going. Um, it was going that way before it was going that way, uh, this whole time. And the White Sox, according to the, to the team brass have been doing work to try and, and, and turn things in a different direction on that front. Um, that work continues. And I think you're hearing from the players that that's what they're working on moving forward and have been working on since again, even before any of this Middleton stuff came out. In our last segment, we're going to talk about today's victory and uh, what Mike Clevenger and Pedro Gafal had to say after the game. But Shady Rays take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from warm weather ahead premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection program of all of eyewear. Every pair of Shady Rays is backed by the loss and broken replacement. I guess uh, it doesn't say uh, anything else. It just says loss and broken replacement policy, I guess I put behind there. If you lose or break your pair, even day one, they told us they'll send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange them for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving you their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. And if you see our uh, set right here, the one to the left is Tim Anderson, and the one right in front of that is our guy, Southpaw, Vinny, or as Sean likes to call it, that's Vinny. But those were de- dedicated and, and given to us by the friends at FOCO. So get fitted in the gear and the best gear around, hoodies, sports shoes, signs, bobbleheads, everything in between. It's baseball season. There is Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for a game. And I, like I said, the sec de- decorations have been donated for a few awesome pieces like those two for our friends at FOCO. So go show them some love there. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. Use the promo code CHGO 
for 10% off. And our friends at Pins and Aces are sponsoring our golf outing, our Chicago kickoff golf outing that's happening on August 25th, Friday, August 25th at Cog Hill. So if you want to join us at CHGO and play some great golf at a great course, go to allchgo.com right now. Get your tickets, get your foursome tickets, and come join us play. You get the polo, you get an awesome towel from Pins and Aces, you get to kick it with us. I think lunch is provided, right, Steven? Steven's going to be there. He's going to be there with his Pins and Aces uh, shot tee. I'll be winning the thing, too. Steven thinks he's going to win, so if you want to squash Steven, who's not really that good of a golfer. I'm not. I didn't say I was winning it for my team. I said my team was winning. Oh, you going to bring some ringers in, Steven? Oh, they're already in. Oh, goodness yeah. gracious. So if you got a team that can win, and there's going to be prizes available to people who win the uh, the shotgun start that we're going to be having. And I'm not going to be winning because I can't play golf. I know Vinny can't play golf well, right? Jared, can you play golf well? I, I am a lousy golfer. Yeah, so you have a chance to win some prizes and get to kick it with us at a historic and great course at uh, Cog Hill Number 2. So Pins and Aces, the official golf apparel partner of All City and CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear. Get tons of compliments on and off the course. As I said, Steven loves Pins and Aces. He tried their uh, shot tee down there in Arizona when he went down to Scottsdale. Had a whole golfing trip. That's how tell tells you that this man is dedicated to the game, even though he's not good at it. Their family-owned golf and apparel business. Sorry, I'm just really killing Sean. After me there. I'm just killing uh, Stephen in this read. I'm sorry, Stephen. They make amazing because you can't see them. So, you know, the faceless, nameless person of Stephen, I'm going to give uh, shots to. I can't give these guys shots. They're, play, they're my guys, and they're on TV. Uh, sorry, Stephen. <laughs> Get on this side. I won't talk about you. They make Come amazing polos, hats, golf bags, even for our favorite beer sleeve. An innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire there round. Is. Check out Pins and Ace. Look how beautiful that guy is. Check out Pins. No, yeah, yeah. Oh, look yeah. at what it. A, what a switch. He, he, he looks like QB1, Saracen. Definitely. When he goes on, he's, Saracen said he looks just like him. Check out PinsandAces.com and use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's PinsandAces.com. Now to today's game. I mean, in the grand scheme, they mean nothing. But Mike Clevenger with another good outing today for the White Sox and with a team that only has guaranteed two guys coming back from the starting rotation for next year. Can Mike Clevenger, you know, with these impressive performances, be one of the starting rotation pitchers next year? And what did he have to say after the game? What was working for him versus the Yankees? Well, he just feels back, you know what I mean? He was out for so long with that injury, and I think now after getting a few starts under his belt, he, he feels like he's back to kind of being normal. Um, you know, I wouldn't have uh, – tonight he was very impressive. I wouldn't say that his whole season has been overly impressive, you know, mm-hmm. especially every time out, but he has been pretty consistent. He's been consistently okay, I guess you would say, right? And so, you know, the you can talk about next year and look ahead and, and – that's a good question. Uh, there's a mutual option on that contract, so I guess it, it's possible, right? But um, we'll see. They they have such a need there that I that I don't think you can rule it out. And and he was really good tonight. And there have been nights where he's been really good. And if they can find that, especially over the next you know what six weeks of the season here, six seven weeks that we got left, if he can do that several more times, that becomes a lot more intriguing. That idea. I found it interesting, too, in the eighth inning, brought in Groot Santos, and I was like, who's going to pitch the ninth? It was Groot Santos again who got the save, six-out save. Pedro go into why he felt that Groot Santos got the, can get the job done, which he did and handily uh, did it. Yeah, he was uh, just really kind of happy about how he looked out there. Obviously, Santos was on the bereavement list for a while, um, you know, and – Pedro was worried that he was going to maybe be rusty, but he, he went out there tonight and looked really good. Um, I believe you saw an example of Pedro, that plan that Pedro laid out since spring training, where he was going to throw his best guy at the best, the biggest part of the lineup. And, you know, that was the middle of the Yankee lineup there uh, in that eighth inning uh, that he brought in Santos to face. And then he just kind of kept him in because he thought he looked really good. So, uh, you know, it was only about, a, I think Pedro said it was 31 pitches for Santos tonight. So not, a crazy amount of, of pitches probably not going to be I mean if they were to play tomorrow he wouldn't have pitched tomorrow but they got the off day so so that's all right um listen he's their closer right now and uh with Liam Hendricks on the shelf um you know for the rest of the season obviously but even if he's under contract still next year if he you know all the probably going to miss 
the whole season, if not all of it, or if not, uh, you know, uh, almost all of it, Santos could be the closer of this team on opening day. It's very possible if he continues the impressive season that he has had all the way. That ERA is well under three. Um, he's been really, really good all year. Aaron Bummer says he throws like nobody else can throw. Uh, you know what I mean? Just from the, the way that he pitches is, is very unique from the other pitchers' uh, uh, viewpoint. So he's something that's gone really, really right for the White Sox this year. Um, and they could you could be looking at the guy who's the closer for 2024. Unless you got something else, Jared. Jared doesn't have anything else. I don't have anything Thanks, else. Finney. Finney, it's been awesome to have you on. It's been awesome having Jared Willison in for the great Sean Anderson. I hope he's enjoying the boss still. He's singing Glory Days or one of the songs that he sings. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a big <laughs> That's fan. That's one, one of those songs. Born, born in the USA, Glory Days, and I'm pretty much done. Um, dancing born in to the run. streets. You never heard of Born to Run? Born to Run. Born to Run. Yeah, that one too. And you're, the, talk, the and you're trying Cox to reference one, right? dancing, in the, dancing in the Dark. That one. What did I say? You said dancing in, dancing in the streets. That's Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. Is there, <laughs> nice try, is it Man on Fire? Ooh, I'm on fire. I'm, I'm on, on fire. fire. Yeah. I've heard that. Guys, yeah. this is an embarrassing showing from the Bulls. <laughs> it is. We should probably shut it down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Worse. I don't know Bruce Springsteen too much. I, I should have been. We did much better with Yacht Rock yesterday. Oh, man. That's, that's good music. Bruce that's why. That's why, Stephen. That Yacht Rock is good music. That Bruce Springsteen's a little tough. I'm <laughs> kidding. I knew I would get Vinny and Sean when he's looking at it. He's Herb, like, what the hell, Herb? Herb, Herb had to save that line for when I'm at the ballpark because if he'd said it while I was sitting next to him, I probably would have tackled him. And tomorrow you could see me get attacked by Vinny, maybe if I say the same thing, and Chris Pennant, who's from our CHGO Sky Show. It's going to be at 1130. We're going to have a great time discussing the White Sox on their off day. We thank Stephen Nicholas for his – I think, Herb. Huh? 12.30, I believe. Oh, is it twelve thirty? Did we did we get past? Oh yeah, we got pushed back because the the meeting. So, join us at some time tomorrow, twelve thirty, eleven thirty, whatever time. <laughs> but we'll send out tweets and such. Stephen Nicholas, thank you for your production. Thank you for Jared Willis who are hooking it up today for Sean's absence. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter, Ecknerwall twenty three. Jared Willis, J Willis, Wise instead of Eyes, and Vinny Duber. Vinny Duba on the Twitter machine and the show. You can follow at chgo underscore. White sacks. And if you want to follow Sean and see what all his pictures from the great Bruce Springsteen concert at Wrigley, Sean underscore W underscore Anderson, because he's on fire. See, I did it, right? There we go. Hmm. So thank you for joining us. Hopefully the White Sox take this momentum and take it into next year because these games don't count. It doesn't matter. It's so terrible to watch them win and come together as a team too late. But maybe they could carry this on to next year and 2024 can be a year the White Sox compete because I need it. We all need it, folks. Covering this badass team is making me go crazy. So we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Shea Fidel. Thank you, Victor. Thank you, Matthew, Fred, all you. Good night.